When a woman who had been bleeding for more than 12 years grabbed the hem of Jesus' garment, she was showing that she believed Jesus could heal her. But she was also declaring that he fulfilled the prophecy of the Son of Righteousness with healing in his wings. Welcome, Bible nerds. I'm David Jesse. I believe that understanding the Bible in its historic, geographic, religious, and cultural context helps us see Jesus more clearly, love him more dearly, and follow him more nearly day by day. It's time to turn the lenses around on our scriptural glasses. Welcome to Bible Nerds Daily. Thanks for listening. Uh, Every weekday, I share with you a verse of the day that is designed to help you become a better follower of Jesus Christ. Now, if you're encouraged and you're challenged by this podcast, please do me a favor, share this with your family and your friends, and then follow the show on whichever favorite podcast app you use so you don't miss an episode. Because today and the rest of this week, we are going to uh, look at very familiar stories in the Bible from a different lens. Okay, the verse we're looking at today is Malachi chapter four, verse two. It says, for you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. It's a really cool story. Um, A woman has um, had a medical illness for 12 years. And according to the Torah, this renders her unclean. This means that she can't go to the synagogue. She can't go to the temple. She can't celebrate the festivals. She's an outcast. But then when the rabbi from Nazareth comes to town, she sees her opportunity. She grabs the hem of his garment and immediately he's healed. And again, cool story. But if that's all you understand about what's going on, you're missing the best part. The ancient Hebrews were commanded by God to place special tassels on the corners of their garments. Um, These tassels, they're called tzitzit, were a symbol of their commitment to obey the commandments of God found in the Torah. Um, And the tzitzit consists of a, a specific set of knots and threads. Each one of these is symbolic. There's five knots, and each one of those knots represents a book of the of the Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. There are four spaces between these knots, and that represents the four-letter um, tetragrammaton, is what it's called, or the name of God, yod heh vav heh Yahweh. Uh, each Hebrew word also has a numerical value, and that's called gematria, and the numerical value of the word seed seed is 600. So if you combine that value, 600, with the five knots made from the eight threads that are used in the seed seed, uh, then you come to the number 613. This is the most important number in the entire Hebrew Bible. There are 613 commandments in the Torah. So the people uh, uh, wearing these seed seed understand that it's there to remind them that they're to honor the commandments of God. And even the very numerical value of the word equals 613, the number of commandments that they're to obey. Now, it's very important to understand where these tzitzit are attached. Um, The Hebrew word uh, for corner is kanaf. The word is used in various other ways throughout the scripture as we need to take a look at. 
David was anointed the future king of Israel after Saul ignored God's specific commandment to uh, conquer and destroy all of the Amalekites. After that, Saul became more and more angry and paranoid, and this resulted in his seeking to kill the one man who most clearly understood the unique anointing of God that this king had, David. Um, and so while Saul's pursuing David, David enters into a cave in the oasis of En Gedi. And, uh, you know, even though he, Saul doesn't understand it, David and his followers are actually hiding in that cave. Um, and then when they see it, Saul in there, they, David's men, they try to encourage him to actually go and kill Saul and be done with this entire problem. But David understands that this means using his own power, his own strength, to deal with his trials rather than allowing God to take care of it. So instead of murdering Saul, he sneaks up behind Saul, cuts off the corner of his robe, removing the seat seat um, from Saul. And in doing so, he's declaring for all to see that Saul is not honoring the commandments of God. Now, it wasn't long after En Gedi that David actually ascends to the throne and he rules in righteousness and he honors the commandments of God uh, for the most part. Um, but then his son Solomon, when he becomes king, he starts out well, but eventually he allows things to deteriorate. Um, he starts worshiping pagan gods, rejecting the commandments of God. The nation becomes divided. The temple of God's destroyed eventually. And this judgment comes. During the time of this judgment, this captivity in Babylon, the prophets of Yahweh begin to foretell about a new son of David. And when he comes, he is going to restore the kingdom to Israel. He's going to be the Messiah, the anointed one. He's going to rule in true justice and righteousness, and he's going to lead Israel to fulfill their calling to be a light to the nations. Uh, the prophets talk about different a specific things that he's going to do. He's going to be uh, bring political and spiritual revival uh, to Israel. He is going to establish a government in Israel that will be the center of all the world's governments, both Jew and Gentile. He's going to rebuild the temple and reestablish the righteous worship of God, and he will restore the religious court systems of Israel, establishing Torah as the law of the land. So in essence, these prophets declare that the Messiah is going to return Israel to obedience to the Torah, to keep the commandments that are symbolized by wearing the tzitzit. Now, in the final writings of the period of the prophets, Malachi foretells of a son of righteousness. Now, that's S-U-N, not S-O-N, uh, who will rise with healing in his wings. This prophecy immediately became associated with the coming son of David, the Messiah. And as we saw earlier, the Hebrew word for corner is kanaf. Now, Hebrew is a poor language, and that means it has fewer words in it than other languages that are considered by scholars to be rich languages like Greek and Latin and English. It, it means that one word has to be used to describe multiple things. And so in addition to kanath meaning corner, as we've seen, it also means wings. 
And so the Hebrew sages taught that this meant that the coming Messiah is going to have these special healing powers in his tzitzit, uh, tzitzit in plural in Hebrew. They're attached to the kanaf, the corner of his robe. And many Pharisees, they wanted to be considered as candidates for the role of Messiah, would attach super long tzitzit uh, to their robes, suggesting that they had these special healing attributes. And then there's one day when Jesus is making his way through the crowds uh, in Capernaum to heal a young girl who was on the verge of death. There's a woman there in the crowd um, that that approaches him and she reaches out and grabs a hold of the hem of his garment or the kanaf of his garment where the seat seat are attached. In doing this, she's doing much more than believing that Jesus can heal her. This woman is declaring to all around her that she believes Jesus to be the promised Messiah. And then later, many more make the same declaration by seeking healing and reaching out and grabbing the hold, uh, the corners of Jesus's garment. We see this in Matthew 14. But when the woman grabs the hem of Jesus's garment, she's not just showing faith that she'll be healed. She's making a statement to everyone around her. If she isn't healed, she's made a ritually clean rabbi, unclean. Women had been stoned for less than this in this period. But if she is healed, her faith in who she believed the rabbi could be was rewarded. Uh, She's telling the world that she believes that Jesus is the promised son of righteousness, that Jesus is the Messiah. So what was the symbolism of the morning and the evening sacrifices that took place both in the tabernacle and then in the first and second temples? Uh, How did these sacrifices actually connect with the covenant made between God and Abraham? And then were these sacrifices actually fulfilled in the life of Jesus? We're going to look at that tomorrow. What if I told you that the foremost, uh, one of the foremost Orthodox Jewish scholars of our day believes that Jesus fits perfectly into first century Judaism? You need to check out this book called The Jewish Gospels, The Story of the Jewish Christ. It's written by Daniel boyer Wayne. It's fantastic. There's a link for it in the show notes. Um, and you can also learn more about it on thebiblenerds.com. check out the ministry of one child they bring hope to hard places they help children in extreme poverty you can support a child for just 39 dollars a month and you can change their life please consider this go check out uh, the link in the show notes and learn more about one child
five animals qualified to be sacrificed in the temple. And the selection of these animals goes back to a very pivotal moment in Abram's life. That's tomorrow. But for now, go read your Bible.